It was several years ago, and one of our elders was approached by a parent who was upset about what had been taught in the high school class the previous week. And so uh, our elder said, okay, what was it that was taught that you are concerned about? He said, well, last week the high school pastor was teaching and he told the kids that there is one and only one way of salvation. And if they didn't believe that, and if their friends at school did not believe that, then they were going to spend an eternity separated from God in a place called hell. And so our elder basically asked the question, well, what's the problem with what he shared? That's what we believe as a church. And the parent said, well, I know that's what we believe as a church, but that's not what everybody else believes, and we shouldn't be telling our kids that this is the only way, and that if their friends don't put faith in Christ, they're going to spend an eternity in hell. And our elder said, but that's what the scriptures say. And there is nothing that the youth pastor has said that you relayed to me that is wrong. Now, may, may I add here, if we had a youth pastor or any pastor in our church that was teaching anything other than that, they would find themselves out of a job very quickly here at Maranatha. If we had an ABF teacher or a small group teacher who was teaching anything other than that, they would soon find themselves without that ministry to participate in because that is the, that is the true message of the Word of God. And this morning as we come to 1 Corinthians chapter Two, we're going to zero in on Paul's proclamation and what he has to say to those in Corinth. Follow along with me as we look at the first five verses to begin with. It says, And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to do nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling, and my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of of God. Paul's proclamation. And first of all, we see that Paul's proclamation centered on the priority of Jesus and Jesus crucified. That's what Paul had to proclaim. W.A. Criswell, who for a long time was the pastor of the First Baptist Church in Dallas, uh, said this. He says, when a man goes to church, 
He often hears a preacher in the pulpit rehash everything that he has read in the editorials, the newspapers, and the magazines. On the TV commentaries, he hears that same stuff over again, yawns and goes out to play golf on Sunday. When a man comes to church, actually what he is saying to you is this. Preacher, I know what the TV commentator has to say. I hear him every day. I know what the editorial writer has to say. I read it every day. I know what the magazines have to say. I read them every week. Preacher, what I want to know is, does God have anything to say? If God has anything to say, tell us what it is. And that's the goal of every preacher who steps in this pulpit to share with this body of believers. Our goal is to tell you, this is what God has to say. If it's our opinion, you discount it. You just focus on what God has to say. And that's why we will constantly tell you, examine what you hear. Don't you believe it just because I say it? Don't you believe it just because Bruce says it. Don't you believe it based on whoever it is in this pulpit. You examine it in the light of the Word of God. The Apostle Paul invited people to check out his preaching. And if Paul's preaching can be checked out, there's no one here who's ever stepped in this pulpit greater than the Apostle Paul to share. And certainly we encourage you, examine Scripture with Scripture and make sure that what you're hearing is from the Word of God. See, Paul says, as he makes this proclamation, that he did not come to them with eloquence of the world. See, in those days, the professional Greek philosophers were masters at making speeches. And while they said very little, they could make it sound beautiful. Have you ever heard people like that? Man, they just have a way with the words. And you, you hear them and say, boy, that sounds great. But then you go away scratching your head saying, what in the world did they say? It sounded good. But what did they actually say? Paul said, I didn't come to you the way that these Greek philosophers would approach you. I came to you with the focus and the priority of Jesus Christ and him crucified. Now, Paul was there for about a year and a, a half uh, as he ministered there in Thessalonica. And it's not that he preached the same message every week. See, to preach Christ and him crucified encompasses doctrines such as sin, judgment, hell, heaven, substitution, redemption, propitiation, reconciliation, justification, faith, repentance, and salvation. All of that is tied up in preaching Christ and him crucified. But Paul's focus, his priority was on Jesus. And may I suggest to you, we can never lose that priority of proclaiming Jesus. Jesus said, and I, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself.
The Apostle Paul would say in Galatians 1.10, For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were trying to please God, I would not be a servant of Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, in verse 16, Paul said, Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. That's how important it was to Paul to maintain this priority. Now, some of those in Corinth were being critical of the Apostle Paul and the way that he preached. Some of them didn't like his preaching. Notice Paul tells us here in the verse that his, his message to them as he came to them, that he was in verse 3, he says, I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. Over in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 10, Paul is responding to those in Corinth, and he says, For they say his letters are weighty and strong, but his bodily presence is weak, and his speech of no account. So Paul was probably not this great orator. But Paul just consistently preached again and again Jesus and Jesus crucified. That's his proclamation. Secondly, we see under that proclamation that he does so in the power of God. Look at it in verse 5. So that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. See, the message of Christ and him crucified is not one of human eloquence. It is not one of human energy. It is not one of human enticement. But it is from the power of God. Now, the Apostle Paul recognized that when you are engaging a world and a philosophy that does not accept the wisdom of God, which we'll see in a moment, it's probably fruitless to argue with those people. You're never going to win them over to Christ just through an argument. Now, it's clear throughout the scriptures that the Apostle Paul was a man of superior intellect. He would have, if we were gauging the education that Paul had with the education system of the world today, Paul would probably have the equivalency of two or three doctorate degrees. He was very knowledgeable on a number of topics. He could have debated with people politics. He could have debated people with ethics. He could have debated people about science. He could have debated people about the Old Testament. And at times he did debate with them over the Old Testament. But Paul realized winning an argument is not what we're after as Christians. What is it we are after? To center on the message of Christ and him crucified and to make people realize that through him and through him alone, through the power of God, is how an individual is saved. 
So we need to recognize that as individuals, as we share with others. You know, at Christmas time, there are probably going to be opportunities for us to share with others about what we believe. Opportunities for us to witness to others and letting them know that Jesus Christ came to the earth for a purpose. You shall call his name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins and seize upon the opportunity to just share with them the message of the cross. You don't have to argue with them. You don't have to have all the answers. As we're going to see later in this message, winning an argument over something that they cannot see and understand gets us nowhere. So what is it we want to proclaim? We want to proclaim the testimony of the change that Christ has made in our lives and the power of God. If we had time this morning, we could go throughout this congregation and people could share how their lives have been changed through the message of the cross, through the power of God. Paul's proclamation, the priority of Jesus crucified, the power of God, and next we're going to see the wisdom of God. Look at it in verses 6 through 10 in chapter 2. Follow with me. Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom. Although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. So the next thing I want us to see in Paul's proclamation is he is proclaiming the wisdom of God. Now it's important, you know, Paul has just said some, some pretty bad things about wisdom, but when he says those things, he's talking about the wisdom of the world. He is not talking about the wisdom of God. And that he's making clear, very clear, yet among the mature. Notice Paul says, to those who are mature in their faith, to those who have grown in their faith, we do impart wisdom. Now, sometimes you will hear people say that as Christians we're against philosophy. We're not against philosophy. Philosophy means the love of wisdom. We actually love true wisdom. And we think true wisdom should be taught and should be sought after. The writer of the book of Proverbs tells us in verses 6 and 7 this, For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. Over in James chapter 1 in verse 5, 
James will tell us, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. You know, whenever I am in a counseling session with someone, before we begin, I begin with prayer, and I ask that God will give us wisdom. And I actually pray this verse to him. You've promised to give us wisdom. We need your wisdom. And Paul says to them in verse 6, among the mature we do impart wisdom. But then he makes it clear, it is not the wisdom of this age. This is a wisdom that comes from God. It's not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age. And notice what he says of them who are doomed to pass away. The wisdom of this world, those who proclaim the wisdom of this world, it's all going to pass away. God's wisdom is not. He says, verse 7, but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God. Now, people have really struggled over those words. What does it mean when Paul says he imparts a secret and hidden wisdom of God? What he's talking about there is it's a mystery. It's something that was not understood before, but is now being revealed. He says, which God decreed before the ages of our glory. For our glory, God decreed this. Before anything ever happened here on earth. God decreed this wisdom. And he says, none of the rulers of this age understood this. For if they, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Paul says, if you really understand the wisdom of God, then you would have understood who Jesus was. You will understand who Jesus is. And he said the rulers of this world, referring to those rulers, uh, uh, worldly rulers, but also the Jewish rulers of the day, he said they wouldn't have put Christ to death if they had truly understood the wisdom of God and that it was God's Son right there with them. And he goes on and he says this, but as it is written, What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined. What God has prepared for those who love him. Now the reference that Paul has here is to Isaiah 64.4. He's quoting it. Now you have probably heard these words referred to as heaven. No eye is seen, nor has an ear heard, nor has the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. And over and over again, people will use these words and say, he's speaking of heaven here. Now, though these words are true of heaven, you know, we have no idea of how great and the splendor of heaven will be. It's going to be far beyond what any of us have imagined. But that's not what Paul is talking about here at all. 
what he's talking about in his proclamation is the revelation of God. Look at it, verse 10. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. What things? The things that eyes have not seen, nor ears heard, nor the heart of man imagined. The things that God has prepared. All of those things, what he's talking about here, is what's revealed to us in the Scriptures. Now it may be true of heaven by application, but Paul is saying we can understand these things. We can get this through the revelation of God. And through God's revelation, we are going to understand things that eyes have not seen, that ears have not heard, that the heart of man has imagined. It's way beyond that, all that God has prepared for us. Might that be an incentive for us to get into the Word of God? You know, this is God's revelation to us. And Paul is saying to us, here, the wisdom of God, which others don't get, is revealed to us, and we are going to discover things that are way beyond even that which we can imagine. And Paul is saying, this is the revelation of God. This is my proclamation, making known to you what God has proclaimed to us. The next thing I want us to see in the passage are the free gifts of God. The free gifts of God. Follow along with me, beginning with verse 11. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. So what we see next in the passage are the free gifts of God. Now, what are these free gifts that God has given to us? So we study the scriptures and we understand the gifts that God has given to us. Certainly in the context, it's the gift of Christ coming to the earth and shedding his blood so that we can be saved. The preaching of the gospel. It includes with it the grace that God has given to us. Nothing we do to earn it is just a free gift of God to us. The mercy of God, whereby we don't get what we do deserve. The wisdom of God, which Paul said the mature are going to understand. This wisdom of God which will guide us and which will direct us in our life. These are all the free gifts of God that he gives to us. 
And he tells us in verse 13 that he, we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit. You know, he's talked about who can know God except the Spirit of God. Now let's think about that for a moment. If the Spirit of God is the one who can only truly know God, who is going to reveal to us the wisdom that we need? It's the Spirit of God that lives inside us. That when a person puts their faith and trust in Jesus, they get this free gift from God of the Holy Spirit who then guides us, who gives us wisdom. And so through his Spirit, we can know the things of God and we can interpret spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. We, comp we compare and we look at spiritual, comparing spiritual things with spiritual and then he talks about, in verse 14, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness or folly to him. And he is, now catch these words very carefully. The natural man is not able to understand them. Catch that very far. Those who are lost are not able to understand the things of God. Let me see if I can illustrate this to you with something out of nature. Some animals in nature have an extra layer of tissue within their eyes. This extra layer of tissue enables them to see things in low light that we as human beings cannot see. Now, and I believe God has put a protection there. From Have you ever been out on a really dark night and you see the eyes of an animal? I, I remember when Barb and I were in... Well, that got your attention real quick, didn't it? Well, see, that extra layer of tissue that is there is also what causes their eyes to look bright in the dark because it reflects the little light that they can see. God probably put that there for our protection or more of us would have been attacked by animals in the darkness. I can remember with, with being with Barb and we were in Africa and we were staying in an animal reserve looking out in that pitch blackness and just seeing all those eyes around. <laughs> yes, especially considering in the reserve they closed the gate at 5 o'clock sharp. And Barb and I were out. I don't know why we did this. It was kind of dumb. But we were, I was driving a Jeep. It's just Barb and I. And the roads there were not marked. And so I went right by this dirt road that was supposed to be, we went many miles up, and then trying to get directions. You know, we saw a woman along the road. I tried to talk to her, but she just didn't get it because she didn't speak English. Eventually, we found a guy, and he says, 
to us. He looked at his watch and said, you know they close the gates at 5 o'clock. And he said, I don't think you're going to make it. He says, here's some directions. And of course, you know, you go down to this third or fourth dirt road. Well, how am I going to know which one's a dirt road and which one is not? So thankfully, he said, I'm going to take you there. And he did. We found, and we got just as we pulled in, they closed the gates behind us. Otherwise, we would have been stuck out in the jungle. And the next morning, I had a flat tire on that Jeep. And as I was looking out inside the fencing of the reserve, out into this darkness out there and seeing all those animals' eyes, I was just saying, Thank God we got here before the gates were closed. But see, those animals can see things in that light that we can't see as human beings. And you know, when we are sharing the gospel with others, we need to understand that unless the Spirit of God does something that enables them to see, they not only don't get it, they can't get it. So I I share that for us. Let's not be frustrated with sharing the gospel. Our, Our responsibility is to share the truth of Jesus with others. It's up to God to bring about the results. We can't make a person get saved. We can't argue them into being Say, our responsibility is just share the message and you do what God has told us to do and let's leave the results with God. If we do our part, he will do his part. Because he says the natural man and the word that's that's used there really means the fleshy man. It's from a a Greek word that's used over 150 times in the New Testament. Sometimes it's translated flesh. It's a word that refers to the physical body. It's a word that also refers to all of humanity. It's a word that refers to non-believers, as Paul is using it here. It's a word that refers to our sin nature. It's a word that is used to refer to immature believers. We say, Butch, how are we supposed to know which it is? By the context of the passage. Paul is using it here of non-believers. And he says, they, they miss all of this. Matter of fact, that's why they crucified Christ. They missed all of this. Because the natural man just does not get it and cannot get it. But then he says the spiritual person. And the the sense there is the spiritual person is the person who's walking in the spirit, who is controlled by the spirit of God. He judges all things. See, if you are being spiritual, if you're being controlled by the Spirit of God, you're judging everything that comes around you. You can say, well, what about in Matthew where it says, judge not lest you also be judged. That is passing judgment on people and judging the intent of their hearts and of their thoughts. 
Paul is talking here, though, in all of our life, if we're spiritual, we're going to discern those things in light of the wisdom of God, and so we're going to pass judgment on everything that comes into our lives, everything around us in the culture, because the Spirit is giving us guidance. But he also says, but is himself to be judged by no one. Now what does that mean? Does that mean if you're spiritual, no one can confront you about anything? Does that mean if you're, you're, you're spiritual, you're always going to get everything right? No, that's not what he's saying. Within the context, what he's saying is the person who is following God is not judged by the world. Their, their opinions doesn't matter. The only opinion that really matters for us as Christians is the opinion of God doesn't put us beyond accountability, but it's just saying the world in its wisdom is so different from the wisdom of God that we are not judged by the wisdom of this world. Now we're going to see later on as we go through this book how that we're all accountable to God and one day we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ as individual believers where our works will be judged and tested by fire. But we are not judged by the world that does not know Jesus and that does not follow him. The last thing I want you to see is a statement that is made in verse 16 that in Paul's proclamation, the mind of Christ. Verse 16, for who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Paul is taking a shot at the worldly wisdom and says, who of you is so wise that you can instruct God and in his mind? No one. No one. But we have the spirit of God living inside us that we've talked about, he is there so we can know the mind of Christ. Because the Spirit of God, Jesus promised, will guide us into all truth. So what do we do with this this morning? First of all, I ask you the question, are your eyes open to the wisdom of God? Or your guys open to the gospel? Is the Spirit of God speaking to you this morning, saying you're a natural man, a fleshy man who needs to be saved? If so, will you respond to that call upon your life today? And to us as believers, are we intimidated in sharing our faith? I really ask, are there times that you just know that, that God would have you say something and you didn't say anything? Are we missing opportunities to speak up? I'm going to confess to you, you know, I do. I do miss opportunities. I miss times that afterwards... I'm kicking myself saying, why didn't you just go into the gospel there? There was an open door for you to do it. Why didn't you do it? 
And you know what? I could stand before you this morning and give you all kinds of excuses as to why I didn't do it. But you know the reality is? That's all they would be, is excuses. I liked Vance Havner's definition of an excuse. You know what he said it was? An excuse is a reason stuffed with a lie. A reason stuffed with a lie. And if we're honest and we think about excuses that we give, we'll probably find that definition to be pretty true. We as a church have many opportunities to share the gospel. And I just want to encourage you from this. We don't have to do it with the wisdom of this world. Matter of fact, that won't work. All we need to do is share the message because that's the power of God and share how Christ has made a difference in our life, illustrating that power. And my prayer is for us that throughout the rest of this month, we will seize the opportunities before us and share Jesus with family members, with friends, with neighbors. And that we do so, not with the wisdom of this world, but we make this proclamation in the power of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth of your word. And Father, I just pray that you would help us, that we might be in your word to receive the wisdom that you would give to us. Father, we thank you for the spirit that you've placed within us. And we pray for anyone here this morning who doesn't have that spirit within them because they don't know Jesus, that today would be the day of their salvation and they would put their faith and trust in him. For this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.